The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans alike. A shining download online, all alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, the year the Introcast Wars came upon us all. This is the story of a Babylon 5 Introcast. The year is 2014. The show, Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Today, everyone, we are joined by a very special guest to Down Below. Say hello to Matt. Hey. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. I feel very special. Yes, very special. <laughs> now, Matt has never seen Babylon 5 before this episode. I just wanted to see what would happen if we threw him right in. <laughs> Not quite the deep end, but nearly there. <laughs> we may have heard of Matt from the Twin Peaks podcast and Carney cast and Intro to Briscoe, and he'll be starting a new podcast soon, Hooplecast about Deadwood. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it. I've got a lot of podcasts I'm going to be doing. I'm doing another one with you, Will. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I spent last night working on uh, the website a little bit. And also, I'm going to be doing one with uh, Robin and Claire and Mel. We're going to be doing one on uh, all of the Defenders podcast, which is all of the Marvel Netflix shows. Oh, yeah, awesome. Jessica okay. Jones and Daredevil. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think we should play the Laura Palmer theme whenever Matt's talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to discuss the season finale of season two, The Fall of Night. But first, here's an ISN special report. <laughs> ISN News Update. In a follow-up to our article a few weeks ago on the cycle, this week the Ministry of Peace has released a report highlighting the dangers we all face from dissidents undermining society and focusing on how misplaced anger or prejudice against departments such as the cycle can disrupt the government and leave us open to harmful outside forces. The ministry encourages all citizens to read the article. In other news, on his return from Babylon 5, Mr. Lance landed in Geneva and promptly showed an eager audience the new treaty with the Centauri, proclaiming that peace was guaranteed for Earth. This hard-won non-aggression pact is heralded by EarthGov with several senators stating that this would be a start of a new golden age for mankind. Back on Babylon 5, several individuals saw a figure bathed in light saved Captain Sheridan from a fatal accident. One witness claimed to have seen the Holy Bieber. Whether it was classic Biebs or the mighty Justin, 
from his avant-garde elevator music phase. It is yet to be determined, and the two sects are still debating. Either way, this appearance has seen a marked increase in converts for both sides of Belieberism. And remember, ISN has set up a hot link for all our viewers, so you can send us information or speculation you have on this mysterious new ship we found in hyperspace. Shane, I've done it! Again, Paul, then open the window, there's no need to announce it. No, not that. I've invented a machine that can erase our memory of Red Dwarf so we can watch it for the first time. Again! Really? Is it safe? Completely! Although you might also forget how to read, write, and do math. I'm a politician, I don't need any of that. Also, it would probably make your head explode. And ruin my hair? No. Let's just find a lovely American couple who have barely even heard of Red Dwarf to watch the show with us. That will be the next best thing to seeing it for the first time. Hi, I'm Angela. This is my husband, Heath. What are you doing in my house? Well, we're just your everyday American couple wandering about looking for someone who feels like watching a show we've barely even heard of with us. Maybe we're recording a podcast about it. Hmm. That's really convenient. And you can listen in on the fun with the Red Dwarf intro cast. Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Fall of Night originally aired November 11, 1995, around the end of the year, just like this episode was the end of the year on this show. Uh, it was directed by Janet Greig, who last directed The Coming of Shadows. Now, if y'all remember, she kind of directed most of the important episodes in season one and even a couple in season two, but... She ended up getting sick this year. She had the flu, which turned into pneumonia, so she wasn't available for most of the season. Yeah, that's a shame. And and just for Matt's benefit, um, each year, each season of the show usually equates to a calendar year in um, timeline of the uh, series. That is okay. So the the time actually moves forward. In yeah, the show. time right. moves forward. <laughs> Right, <laughs> they don't always acknowledge that in shows. <laughs> <laughs> was it last? What did um, last season? Didn't they like start the next season really quickly right after airing the end of the, the first season? Yeah, it was the week after. I think mm. it's just, yeah, they have a weird airing schedule. Yeah, that was one thing that I noticed in this episode when uh, I don't know any of the characters' names. <laughs> <laughs> When the, the second in command there said it's uh, going to be 2260 or whatever next year or soon. Yeah, that's, that's it. You never yeah. hear, like, you never hear those future dates usually in the, mm-hmm. in these sci fi mm-hmm. shows. Like, they'll mention it once, like, in the first episode of the entire series and never mention the date again. <laughs> well, and you also hardly ever get anyone talking about the new year because the way the TV seasons go is if you have a Christmas episode, that's the end, and then you come back in January. So, mm-hmm. almost at no time do you talk about changing the year. Yeah. Yeah, the closest I think we get to it is in Buffy when they talk about the summer break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they they don't say the year though. They just say Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Slayer Fest ninety eight. Right. Yeah, actually actually Buffy talks about it more often because like they graduated and yeah. I think the yeah, year yeah. is on her tombstone when she dies. So That's true. Uh, of course, this episode was written by JMS. That's Joe Michael Straczynski. 
Matt, I, this uh, show had 110 episodes, and JMS wrote 92 of them. Holy cow. And we're in the middle of a streak that started a few episodes back where he wrote every episode all the way into season five. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't Is, like free time. Did I he, don't think he slept either. Did, did he create the show too? Yeah, uh, he did. Yeah, he, he, said, yeah. he kind of says in the commentary for this episode that I think, or was it one of the specials anyway, that he had a vision and he kind of didn't trust anyone else with his vision. <laughs> All right, so let's get started with our recap. I saw on IMDb that this episode takes place from December 18 to December 24th, 2259. Oh, I wonder where these these dates come from. I don't don't know. know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was But they make sense, at least. Yeah, I can understand Christmas Eve. I can understand it taking place partly on Christmas Eve since she gave him the gift. Mm Mm-hmm. But if these dates are right, that means it overlapped with the last episode a little bit. Hmm. I don't know. I may just stop looking at those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust them. Well, sometimes the show itself will give you dates, so yeah. you don't really need to. Maybe that's where Delenn is. She's being interrogated right now. <laughs> <laughs> the episode begins with some fighter exercises out in space. Captain Sheridan, he's he's unhappy with Zeta Squadron. Delta Squadron did okay. It seems like they're learning to fight the Centauri. Um, and he gets a call from Ivanova to come back to the station. thought it was interesting how uh, some, they were saying some aliens can handle G-Force is better and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, different biology. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. And also... You know, unlike other sci-fi's when there's a danger, the captain's actually preparing for a problem that might arise rather than just blithely watching it pass by. I thought it was pretty cool how they were actually preparing to fight the Centauri. I was surprised by that. I'm kind of happy about it. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, does Earth know about this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you see results of that later. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So the Centauri are the people with the uh, the fan the hair. The fan hair. Fan hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're the um the Nazis in this metaphor. This okay. World War Two. Yes. Yeah, also <laughs> World War Two stuff. In well, this in this episode, especially they're the Nazis, but I'd say they're more a you know Roman Empire esque trying to reclaim former glories. Yeah, that's what I gathered from it, especially because they're like Centauri, and that, that reminds me of Centurions. Yeah, Ro- Roman. Yeah, they had a lot of Roman met- uh, metaphors and and things, you know, in past episodes. Mm. In the commentary at this point, JMS spoke about Kefir, and oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it was clear about the end, but he was saying that Kefir never worked for him. Their last network note he got said. Can you put a fighter pilot hotshot fighter pilot in? And JMS was like, "Yeah, I'd do it, but I'm also going to kill him." So, because <laughs> well, he had, well, he, he knew as soon as he got the um, note that he's going to kill this character. Yeah, because uh, he just didn't like being told what to do, what, what having a character put on him like that. He, he doesn't like that kind of character yeah, anyway. Yeah, he doesn't Wait, did, like that kind of character. Are you saying Keffer's dead? Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> just so we can celebrate. I'm not going to leave that as a mystery. He's dead. Oh, you, guys <laughs> He's dead. Don't like, you guys don't like him? 
Yeah, I never liked him, but I don't think Heidi and Elizabeth felt strongly either way. No, he was just kind of there. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know his name for probably it did, it, ten episodes after he it, was there. It did. It did look like his face melted when in. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, that's meant to be the idea. Actually, JMS said during that last scene, he didn't tell the actor he was killing the character off. Hmm. Yeah, they just told him he was going to be injured so they could get a performance out of him. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't have even told you his, the actor's name until the season started. I do remember him kind of, did remember him kind of being there, but. Yeah, there was a lot of people in the credits. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It felt like I didn't see half of them. But, or maybe yeah, I did, didn't. but only for one scene or. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing. There are a lot of um, you know episodes where we don't see everybody. Pretty much every episode, you don't. Yeah, see yeah it's it's big cast, and there's a lot of stories going on, into, and they interweave. So sometimes you won't see all the characters. Okay. Sometimes oh. you won't see a character for almost the entire season. Todd. Yeah. That was where she yeah. <laughs> So if the if the Centaurians are basically Roman allegories, did they build all the aqueducts in this universe? <laughs> they did give <laughs> humans jump gate technology. Oh, I guess for, that's I know, that, there that's, you that's, go. That's <laughs> yeah, uh, we can't really talk too much about that at the moment. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, there's mysteries in the show that get resolved, but new ones crop up. So it's really hard to talk about a lot of the back history sometimes. Oh yeah, this is a cool scene. Lanier and Veer have a scene together, which is pretty cool. Yay! Yeah, they <laughs> they commiserate about how their ambassadors treat them, how they're so close to knowing things, but still, they agree to meet at the same time tomorrow. At the end, there's uh, yeah. going to be an uprising. <laughs> <laughs> JMS says this is his favorite part of the episode. I loved it. I like it. So the guy on the left, Matt, was Will Robinson in Lost in Space, and the guy on the right was in Animal House. Okay. I one was also Flounder. Uh, so I have no idea what year this show aired, and by the CG, I'm going to guess early 90s. This was 95. Okay. And it was the first TV show to ever use CG. What? No, it wasn't. Come on. Well, to yeah. use it this extensively, I mean, use it. Yeah, use it as a main part of the show, I should say. What about Next Generation? They were using models for all their shifts. This show was like all CG for their. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Well, what about um, Reboot? <laughs> was that. Reboot's that was the... a, um, all CGI show all the time, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this is a live action show using CG. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And you're lucky with this episode, they're starting to really improve on the CG. <laughs> Season <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Some parts of this episode, you can't really tell that part. Mm. But in season one, yeah, they were really learning the ropes back then. Some of it looks like a really bad video game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we explained at the beginning that the composite shots with live action mixed with CG look really bad because of the way they had to do the DVD transfers because they didn't have the original CG models. Mm, so definitely. That's why we need a. That's why they need to redo this for. Oh, Blu-ray. they really do. It'll never happen. Blu-ray and 
basically they're saying their excuse is, oh, we'd have to do, redo all the CG shot, and Warner Brothers doesn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the excuse for Smallville, too. Mm. Oh, yeah, I really wish they would. Yeah. Me too. And the next scene, yeah, this was the cargo base set just reused for a locker room. But Ivanova tells Sheridan that the Drazi and Pakmara want to see him, and he gives her an update on how the squadrons are doing. Nice quote in this scene that I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your first impression of Ivanova then, Matt? Oh me. <laughs> yeah, because we already know her. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, which one is that? Is that the second in command? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Susan Ivanova. I I, I think she's fine. Um, do you guys not like her? We do. And we we yeah. like her a lot. It's, it's you know, it, uh, she tends to have her own way of doing things. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I I think she's uh, she seems very capable and uh, straightforward. And uh, I don't know, has she had any romances on the show? Has she been distracted by romance at all? <laughs> oh yeah, no. she's well, only in two episodes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and one of those is only hinted at. <laughs> oh. Although because it was. A very it was... Big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a same-sex relationship, but they could only really hint at it because this was the '90s, and it was with the lady that I hate. <laughs> but that was one of my favorite episodes because of that. Yeah, she's gone now. You can actually say her name. Oh uh, yeah, Talia Winner. She's <laughs> she's in the credits still, but she's not on the show anymore. I was surprised how fast they took the. I mean, the Centauri invaded. Um, other races, especially races that we know that seem to be, you know, fairly big and well-known races because they're like right there in the League of Non-Aligned Worlds. I mean, I, I mean, they, we knew they were going to keep doing it just because we know that they're going with this sort of World War II metaphor, but um, it was surprising to see it coming so fast after they conquered Narnia. <laughs> Narnia? Yes. yes, Matt. The Narns live on Narnia. Oh. <laughs> well, according to our show, according to the <laughs> official show, it's just called Narn. Oh, but okay. Heidi and Elizabeth aren't having any of that. That's it right. makes it's sense. Narnia. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, what, was yeah. the, what was with the guy with the ears on his jaw? <laughs> that guy was gross. The Pac Morale, probably. Oh, the Pac Morale. The the ones with the tentacles are carrion eaters, yeah. <laughs> tentacles. <laughs> They're awesome. Uh, they come out, they yeah. shake when they come out of the bathroom. What? <laughs> yes. yeah. They have their own stalls in the bathroom. Yeah, we don't know something. why. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> in Sheridan's office, the Drazi and Pakmara tell him that the Centauri have invaded their world well, invaded worlds that belong to them and Soon the Centauri might even attack humans. Yeah, question here. Is this, is this Drazi purple or green? <laughs> I don't know. I was wondering that too. That's yeah, which faction won? I think Ivanova. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the opening credits sort of give you the premise of the show, which is nice. <laughs> so wait a minute, you guys. I- I'm sorry. So Kepper is dead, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I know we talked about this. Well, why do you guys hate him so much? He didn't. He barely was necessary this season. Because he does nothing, and he's just, <laughs> <laughs> he he decides to go off after um, the ship, knowing it's going to kill him anyway, and just 
he's obsessed with, with going after it, uh, even after he's told not to. He's just but he could be called a... Sheridan or Sinclair then. Yeah, if you saw a space spider, wouldn't you want to find out what it was? I w- no. I might want to know what it is, but I, I would bring backup. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. He just went off on his own. Yeah, he kind of got what he deserved. <laughs> I probably hate him because he was forced on the show. <laughs> I think that's true. That's probably it. I actually kind of liked him in this episode. I really have no opinion on him either way. <laughs> <laughs> well, another show hates him purely because he's got an ascot. Oh, that was weird. I don't. I didn't like those. <laughs> yeah. Don't all the pilots have uh, ascots? Yeah, yeah but he he's his on show all the time. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a weird, that was a weird uniform choice. Ascots. <laughs> yeah. And each each team has their own distinctive Color, ascot. I guess. <laughs> Uh, did you hear the thing about the on the commentary about the um the badges? I kind yeah, of the badges. I kind of want to use one of that for a quote, but yeah, they they've actually made badges up for um several different things, including um Star Fury pilots. Um, you know, it's very um realistic. They feel you know and. They put a little joke on um, them because, you know, that's what they do. And, yeah, I've got one as a quote. Okay. <laughs> I won't say what it is. Then. Um, so after the credits, Londo has been summoned to see Sheridan. Sheridan confronts Londo about what the Centauri are doing, saying they're destabilizing the area. Londo says they're trying to do the opposite. They're, and they're, they're just establishing a presence. And Londo doesn't want to hear what Sheridan has to say and gives Sheridan a warning about delusions of grandeur before he leaves. Hmm. Yeah. Londo is kind of an ass in this in this Funny series. That he's talking about delusions of grandeur. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, Londo, come on. Where would he be without his so his friends? Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, he's got an attitude like don't don't speak to me like that, and yeah, it's different Londo. Yeah, he's. He's definitely, I think, um, putting on a very hard front rather than thinking about what he has done. Yeah, I mean, one of the things um, JMS says about Londo in this is that, um, you know, he's, you know, the more he is disillusioned in a way, you know, um, kind of unhappy with um, the situation. The more bluster he gives, the more anger he puts forward. And, you know, in the end, that's just going to cause more problems than it's worth, really. Yeah. So, Matt, Londo, the guy with the big hair, used to be a really fun-loving guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Then power and all these things went to his head and he did bad stuff. Oh. Well, yeah, he doesn't look like he was ever a fun guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was just used to being into gambling all the time and just having a great time. Women and drinking. It took me a second to realize he was a different guy than the other fan-haired guy from the the beginning. (laughs) The guy with the ears on his jawline. Garibaldi and Sheridan are next talking about how Londo's changed. Garibaldi says that you can't reason with Londo as long as he's afraid. And he realizes Londo's in a difficult position and feels sorry for him sometime. Sheridan has made a report to Earth, and right after this, Ivanova calls and tells him that 
Frederick Lance, a Ministry of Peace guy, has arrived. That was quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Earth had kind of already decided what to do long before Sheridan said any reporting. So, we've seen this guy before? No. Because they, they seem to, they, they talk like they that have talked to him before. And I was like, I think I would have remembered Leslie's dad. <laughs> that was, that was... Yeah, he's Wesley's dad. I'm right oh, yeah. behind him. Did you yeah. recognize Mr. Wells as well? Well, was he the one that came to Babylon 5 and had the lecture? Uh, or is that a different... No, that's a different person, but... Oh, different okay. Nightwatch person, but... The actor who plays Mr. Wells has played another character on B5 and quite a lot of other stuff as well. Oh, yeah, he was Neroon. Has he ever been a stunt oh, double? Has he ever yeah, been a stunt double for Kyle MacLachlan? Yes, that's what I was, <laughs> I was like, man, that looks like him. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see Elite Neroon now that you mentioned Yeah, you can see it in his face, yeah. 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 yeah I think he was also on DS9, wasn't he? Yeah. I didn't remember him, uh, Wesley's dad, but I do remember him. He did the audiobooks for the uh, Song and Ice and Fire series. Yes, he has. He's also appeared on the TV series, I think. Yeah, he was supposed to be Grandmaster Pycelle, but he got sick and he ended up being Pyromancer Helene in season two. Oh. Guy who gave them the wildfire. Hmm. Yeah, they are they are really ramping up this 1984 stuff, aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's not just that. Um, JMS says he's trying to reference McCarthyism as well, and yeah, that whole cool. issue. Yeah. Mr. Lance wants to interview Lundo and the League members whose territory has been infringed, and Mr. Wells wants to speak to the Night Watch, and Susie's just happy that somebody's come to see them. Yeah, you knew it was not going to end up good. Oh, yeah. Especially in the um, scene in a little while um, where Lance has got his pen. Uh, oh, I skipped a scene earlier where we saw some fighter pilots talking. I kind of zoned out at first until, <laughs> they, until they mentioned Sector 14 where they saw the ghosts. Because that was where Babylon 4 was. But Yeah, that sector's actually meant to be off limits anyway. So what are people doing out there? Yeah. Is the captain the only guy? Right. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to say that's where that's the scene where I wrote down my comment about his uh, ascot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> is uh is the captain the only one with the giant communicator thing on his hand? Oh no. 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 Is that removable or is that like surgically implanted? Um. It- <laughs> He's bonded. He's bonded to the um, skin, but it's removable. It's kind. It. It's. I think from what I remember, it's some sort of uh, genetically bonded. Uses uses an adhesive to genetically bond. Okay, but it's really easily removed because. um, Yeah. I remember that one scene where was it Sinclair was talking to, what's her face, Catherine. And he took it off yeah. really fast and put it yeah, in the <laughs> Okay, yeah, I was going to say that if it wasn't removable, that's some that's some commitment to your... That takes <laughs> yeah. up and real estate. Yeah. 
<laughs> Trust me, they're better than what they had in the pilot, though, because in the pilot they had giant wristwatches. Yeah. <laughs> now Kefra goes to see Mitch, the guy who saw the ghost, and they start to bond and form a little bromance, I guess. Yeah. A bar. Oh, you saw it too? Okay. So Ivanova has set up interviews with the Drazi and Pakmara and she chats with Lance and I got bored and stopped paying attention. So Is it- <laughs> what we did. <laughs> well, this in this scene, uh, Lance really starts to come across as a Neville Chamberlain um, character. And so you know really what he's up to as soon as you pick up on those cues. Didn't he quote Neville Chamberlain? He does later on. He does quote Neville Chamberlain. Isn't this the scene where they use a pen? There won't be pens in 2260. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, JMS actually commented about that. That um, you know, he wrote the line in, but the actor decided he had to kiss the pen, and kind of JMS grumbles about that being a silly acting decision. <laughs> Matt, they're still reading newspapers. Granted, what? the newspapers can be um, customized as to what you want to read, but there is still an actual newspaper. Whoa. And they're kind of instantly recycled as well. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did we um, skip the amazing part where we pan over a woman slapping a dude? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's when Scouts first comes on board. We come in halfway yeah. through a scene. I, I, I misheard her. I thought she said, take your pants off, but she said, hands off. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, oh, it's that kind of show. Yeah, slap, take your Thank pants you. off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of TV viewers were really confused in 1995. <laughs> Cannot remind it. <laughs> I thought Jeff was particularly, um, like, had some really good descriptions of the spiders. And is this the oh, first yeah, time you actually like... called them the spiders? Yeah, that was what I was wondering. Because I was like, I know we've been calling them spiders, and I can't remember <sighs> if how we came up with that, if we started calling them that, or if Will and Ian said something and we called them that? I was, I was no, confused. you came up with it on your own, but then they did call them spiders one time earlier okay. in the show, but that was after you had already started Yeah, but they just look like spiders. What else were you going to call them? Yeah. Actually, I think one of you said they look more squid-like. I think they more, look more crab-like. Uh because yeah. the legs all come out from the side and it, okay um, it's not exactly a spoiler wheel it's kind of more of a production thing it's a production name for them rather than an actual name I think but uh, the production name for them were battle crabs battle <laughs> 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 crabs awesome oh my god she mentioned they don't have seasons on B5 which makes sense yeah, <laughs> yeah it's always they, night. I guess they could uh, make uh, synthetic snow for the garden area. <laughs> mm. Lance did say that he's trying to prevent more death. He's trying to, yeah. I was kind of, I just kind of <laughs> tuned out a little bit. But um, you do a lot of that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I just, <laughs> I do it a lot on Briscoe too. So, uh, yeah. Well. There's certain characters you just want to ignore. There's a lot of talky-talky, too. Up in C&C, we see Clarence, Clarence! pick up a jump point. Clarence! Yeah. By Who's the way, uh, Matt, Clarence is not really named Clarence. 
Oh. But we named him that, and then they gave us his name. So we still call him Clarence. Do you have Clarence, Clarence? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just sent a picture of what's on my screen. Who is that guy? He looks super familiar. Is that Clarence? But what else has he been in? Can you guys can you guys see the picture I sent in the chat? Yeah, I don't That's know. Um, okay. I'm not sure what else he's written though. No. Oh, his name is Joshua oh, Cox. Yeah. I don't Clarence. know what he's been in. Super familiar. Oh, he was in um, what was that? You sleep? He, he played a midwife in some show for like many many episodes. Uh, yeah, Crossing Jordan that. or something. It was. I'm sure you watched that show, right, Matt? Crossing uh, Jordan. No. Oh, it was Strong Medicine. Is that a oh, Canadian Strong show? Medicine? Okay. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, the real character name is Corwin, um, but he, he's still a fan favorite, and I think Clarence is a brilliant name for him anyway. <laughs> yeah, we had we had Clara, Clarence, and then Clarice, uh-huh. names for our no-name techs we see in CNC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but Clarence... Never did, we never did give uh, the guy with the mustache a name. He was around yeah. for two episodes, and then he was gone again. You have to be in more episodes. Yeah. A Narn Heavy Cruiser comes through the jump point. It turns out they weren't at the Narn homeworld when the Centauri attacked, and they used the last of their energy to get there, and they request Sanctuary. The captain of the Narn ship is Nicole. He was played by Robin Sachs. Remember him? <gasps> That's who Robin Sachs was. I saw his yeah. name in the credits. He was the Grey Council guy in previous episodes. He'll always be <laughs> Ethan. So who's yes. he playing in this? He was the captain of the ship that was hiding. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't. Recognize... Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I can't recognize Ethan Rain under all that makeup. <laughs> no. He was more easily recognizable as the other character that he played. <laughs> Those guys look evil, though. That race. I'm surprised they're not. They well, they were portrayed as such. Not yeah, evil, but they were sort of the villains to begin with. But now they're um, now they've been taken out. They're basically Klingons. No, yeah, basically, <laughs> sort of. I think they're a bit more complex than Klingons, really, because they were an agrarian culture that got conquered by the Centauri, and then were enslaved for a hundred years. Has had to figure out how to fight and rebel, and now they're very militaristic. Well, they were until they were conquered again. Uh, Next, Mr. Wells comes to visit Ivanova. He comes to try to bribe her into joining the Night Watch, but she's a person of integrity and wants to advance her career the right the right way through hard work and loyalty. She turns him down, but he tells her that the offer will remain open. I wanted her to hit him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets a lot of slimy characters. I think him and uh, Morden would get along. Or they'd have a slime off. Well, Morden yeah, I don't just like asked him guy. what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Back up in CNC, Sheridan is telling Jakar about the ship. It's hiding where people won't be able to see him. He also mentions Mr. Lance, so Jakar's thinking that Earth might be ready to take sides. Sheridan hopes they will. So Jakar wants to see Mr. Lance and goes off to prepare. I knew this was going to end badly. Jakar yeah, they were way too happy. happy. Yeah. 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 Jakar can't be happy. Mm. 
Especially not now. Maybe in season one, but definitely not yeah. now. Uh, see some star theories out in space for a second, and then Mr. Wells is speaking to the Night Watch. So these, so these guys are all crows. They've all taken the black. <laughs> they wear the black armbands, right? Yeah, they're. <laughs> I assume you all got that Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> yeah, now you are. Now our watch has begun. Yes. Yeah, not nearly as cool or no. Uh, well, the Night Watch is not really. In Game of Thrones, they're not really that cool. Are either. these are these guys space Nazis? Well, yeah, this has come up. This is actually, like, I don't know. It's gone really far really fast, this Night Watch. <laughs> this is, like, literally the the second time we've seen anybody from the Night Watch, and the third time it's actually been mentioned, right? Something yeah. like that, yeah. And all of a sudden, it's, it's basically, like, thought police. Yeah, well, going on in the background. Yeah, but yeah a bit of McCarthy's, a bit of um, Nazi informant kind of thing. Yeah, that's where it started out, though, because they were talking about having a size that could change people's opinions and find out what people thought, and so that's that's where it was going. It's giving Zach a hard time. I guess Zach just wanted to collect that paycheck. All you gotta do is wear the armband, and yeah, he, he <laughs> was this uh, yeah. week. Zach, the guy that was reluctant to um, name anyone, kind of joined this because they promised him 50 credits extra a week. So he yeah. thought, why not wear the armband? What harm could it do? And now he's kind of getting into something he kind of can't get out of anymore. And Matt, he was Kaniki in Greece. Uh, I've never seen Greece. What? <laughs> <sighs> I don't like musicals. Come on, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so Mr. Weld is all like the other guys are giving reports. Why can't you do it? <laughs> You're Zach just confirming does. a name. You're not I, actually informing yeah, yeah. on him. I didn't understand uh, what people's beef, what their beef was with the shopkeeper. What did he do? Uh, he complained about the new taxes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're really, they're really like going to low thought crimes here. I mean, it's like. They're not even starting high. They're starting pretty low. Anybody complaining about a tax? Hmm. The other thing he said earlier in Ivanova scene, they are getting more powerful. I mean, from the sounds of it, they didn't start off with that much power, but apparently quite quickly in, what, six months, they managed to get to this level. They said they were a separate division of the Ministry of Peace. Hmm. Yeah, kind of. Mr. Lance is doing what he thinks is right. He's trying to get peace. Um, But it's not exactly the right thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, he's being used by the Ministry of Peace, really. Yeah. So after Zach confirms the reports about this shopkeeper, Mr. Wells says he has promised. I keep hearing what reminds me of a, a. dot matrix printer sound i don't know where that's coming yeah what is that <laughs> it's kind of funny i think it's just my computer being obnoxious okay <laughs> <laughs> just sounds like so was pretty something like okay after this keffer has a secret rendezvous with mitch who brings him a data crystal with some info about the ship and this is where jms in the commentary talks about the patches so <laughs> Um, 
Paul earlier he uh, commented about uh, when they do the um, Star Fury's filming and um, they kind of have to strap the actors in and um, there's an incident where um, I think uh, the guy who plays Garibaldi needed to get out really quickly and it just took forever. Um, yeah, he was food poisoning or something like that. Something like that. And uh, so I think uh, someone else got stuck in there whilst everyone went on a lunch break or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really does sound like a... Oh, I'm trying to get as far away yeah. from it as I can. <laughs> it's fine. Um, what was the picture, Matt? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, the, the next scene, uh, the guy who comes in and has a short word with um, the ambassador there or whatever. Uh, yeah, you. I don't know what kind of alien he is, but you'll only ever see the side of his face and you can't tell like what they've done to his face. He just looks like a burn, um... burn victim. <laughs> yeah, um, you yeah. see him head on he's kind of got a large forehead crease <laughs> okay well from the side to describe his face, it his face just yeah. looks burned i don't know yeah um oh i can't remember what that race is called i wanted to say game but i think the game are uh the insect race i don't know the game have their separate translators I th- oh oh well um they'll come up again a couple of times you know, when they're all talking, Lance is finishes meeting, uh, Jakar interrupts him, and you can see Lance doesn't really want to talk to Jakar. Yeah. Just suspicious. He's got... He's actually afraid to even say anything to him. Yeah. In the commentary, <laughs> JMS was saying that Jakar, you notice Jakar wears a cod piece and... <laughs> Had a lot of discussions with the actor Andreas about whether it should be a big one or a small one. <laughs> and Andreas said he thought it should go down to his knees. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Andreas yeah. really did like uh, being Jakar, you know. I think we've said before he tended to wear um, the prosthetic even when he didn't have to and people could find him out the back smoking a cigarette. Well, this is where, like, um, Lance said that he seen, you know, he has seen enough to satisfy him after talking to the Fox Morale and the Drazi. I'm just wondering, what the heck could they have said that would satisfy him? Like, mm-hmm. if they were invaded. I, I don't I don't understand this whole... I mean, I, I think I see that JMS wants to have Earth do this for whatever reason, but I just don't get the actual leading up to it within the episode. Does it really make sense? Hmm. Like, why would you talk to them and be like, yep, yeah, I'm satisfied with this pack. Maybe, maybe whatever the circumstances were on their world, like maybe, I don't know, maybe he asked them questions about, um, say, their government and maybe their government is somewhat corrupt or, you know, things like that that he could put reason behind, okay, that's fine. The Centauri will make it better. Or maybe they just don't want what happened to them to happen to Earth. Like, oh, yeah, we don't want them to yeah. There's that as well, and it's kind of, you know, also Mr. Lance maybe finding excuses to make an alliance with uh, the Centauri because, yeah, we don't want to be invaded. So yeah, here are our excuses. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he didn't give any reasons. He just said, "I'm satisfied." Yeah, and if you remember, 
Earth and humanity are kind of really new on the whole um, political scene with other species. They might be semi-powerful, but they're really new and don't want to be invaded by the Centauri at all. Are, are we saying that's the reason? Well, it's reason. So, I mean, as you said, there's, they're not telling us enough of the reasons at the moment why. I'm trying to speculate based on this episode. Because I didn't really, I don't know, just if you combine that with other stuff that Earth is doing, I don't necessarily see it as being afraid. But, I don't know. Going with this whole World War II theme, I guess Earth is supposed to be like the Soviet Union in this scenario. (laughs) Well, actually kind of more like England before we actually declared war. Technically, because we signed an non-aggression treaty with Germany, uh, that was um, Neville Chamberlain's play, and then circumstances changed drastically. But then, you know, we don't know what's going to happen here at the moment. That's the position they're in. Yeah, see, I see it more as them taking the side of the Centauri because, yes, they don't want to be invaded, but they also would rather be on the more powerful side, and without actually yeah. choosing... Yeah, that, that could be another reason, definitely. Because I was wondering if it's more like because the Soviet Union wanted to have claims on some of the occupied territories, and maybe Earth was going to be in, in that villainous aspect, kind of. Yeah. Up in CNC, the Narn captain says their repairs are going slowly. They have to uh, take their jump engines offline. Sheridan assures him that B-5 will protect them, which should have been a clue that they were going to have to later on. Mm, Yeah. Lance Lance arrives with some great timing, and he knows that uh, Sheridan... (laughs) Sherrod has been practicing to fight the Centauri, and we see that Clarice is over there listening to the conversation. Lance wants them to stop. He uh, tells them that he's there to sign a non-aggression treaty with the Centauri. So after this, Clarice goes and follows Mr. Wells and tells him that there's something he should know. She's Nightwatch. Oh, Clarice. And oh, that was so disappointed with okay. that. Yeah. Now we've named her, it's kind of more disappointing. Seeing yeah. what it does. Before it was, ah, oh, just this random text going and informing. Now it's Clarice, why? <laughs> and I do believe this is the last time we see Clarice on the show. Well, yeah. good riddance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We still have Clarence. Clarence would never do this. Next, Sheridan and Ivanova are unhappy about the non-aggression treaty and talks about how he's not as happy to be wearing that uniform. Before a Christmas present, Ivanova gives him a piece of the Black Star as he's the only one to take out a Minbari war cruiser. During the Earth-Minbari war, which took place ten years before the first season, by the way, Matt. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, have you guys gone through this together with him? And then Londo just pops up out of nowhere, <laughs> demanding to speak to Sheridan. Yeah, they've gone back to and that. We, 
<laughs> We've talked before, Matt, about how a lot of times people just pop up on your view screen without you really like answering a call. So you could be doing anywhere, there's anything, and then all of a sudden somebody just pops up on your and screen. Also, and also, um, you don't know who's behind your door, and you have to let them in no matter who they are. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I just in the remi- comment- Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that, like, if they can just pop up no matter what you're doing. It just reminds me of the Simpsons episode where, like, they go to Lenny's house and I think for some reason his house falls down around him and you see the inside of it. And he's like, don't tell anyone how I live. (laughs) 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 You could could just be, like, be caught in the most horrible moment. Yeah, uh, JMS said in the commentary, the door thing kind of bothers him. And they did try putting cameras on the outside, but he said it was a bit more bit too cumbersome to do that and i'm just thinking um you know the size of the cameras and everything nowadays that shouldn't be a problem at all uh yeah londo knows about the heavy cruiser the norn cruiser and he's demands that the ship and crew be taken over um after the call ends susan and sheridan figure that they probably found out from mr well so they yeah run you, off you and- say the call ends um, Sheridan basically pulls a uh, bad signal maneuver. Yeah, like you're breaking up, on him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't change his voice. I guess he's he's on video. He can't. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can, he, you can see him covering his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can see you cover your mouth, Captain. <laughs> At least he puts uh, the computer into diagnostic mode straight away, so he can't call back. <laughs> yeah so they know that the Centauri is probably or they're probably coming up in CNC they warn the Narn ship that they have to get out of there but their jump engines are still offline of course it's your fault captain or is he captain <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah captain Sheridan um so then a Centauri battle cruiser comes through a jump point and they block off the jump gate the uh, B5 scrambles Zeta Squadron because they promised to help the Narn ship and Lance arrives in CNC and he's pissed off. It says that everything he's worked for is being jeopardized. So he's escorted off the command deck and they launch Zeta Squadron. Sheridan calls Londo and warns him not to attack the cruiser while he's still in B5 space and they also warn the Centauri cruiser and activate their brand new defense grid that they got in Gropos. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. The music yeah, again. We're really getting to the point where the music adds so much to a scene. <laughs> I still had a little bit of a hard time figuring out which ship was which, but I think I got it the second time a little bit better. Okay. The Narn Cruiser Lee's and the the Centauri, they target everybody because they don't care. <laughs> Narn- I guess. Like, it's like if you uh, attack this ship, you know, we'll defend it. So in re- response, the Centauri just point their guns at everybody. They really did. <laughs> yeah, they like yeah. listed everybody who's being targeted. And it'd be funny if they also and they're targeting themselves for some reason. <laughs> 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 That's a baseball type thing. Yeah, we don't care. We just shoot everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, they're they're on the high at the moment. You know, they think they can take on anyone and win. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh, isn't Li- is Londo on the station at this point? He is. I he think is. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, well, given what Sheridan says later, yeah, this is a stupid manoeuvre. You're going to kill your own ambassador. <laughs> Well, I yeah. guess they don't need an ambassador if there's no. Yeah, it's Babylon kind of funny. We never, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny we never heard anything from the people on the ship. Like saw their face in the view screen, had a conversation. They just show up and start shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've got that in the past, though. Um, oh, and um, on this specific battle, and I think generally battle space battles, um, JMS says he sits down with another producer and actually works out the strategy of how the battle would work. Mm. Um, and when the Star Furies launch, he consulted a physicist on the right angles at which they would launch because it's bas- they're basically being launched by centrifugal force. Yeah. Well, the, uh, yeah. I was pretty Im- impressed with the space battle, actually. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, JMS was going on and on about how there had never been... CG used on this scale on TV before, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, before this point, and they just took them so many months to get some of these like stuff the, done. Yeah, yeah, especially the Kosh thing just took months doing it over and over. Yeah, they got it right. I, I, I said um, some episodes could have as many as um, three hundred frames of CG. I think he said for some episodes. Well, and the, that's an awful lot for the time. <laughs> yeah, it probably took. They probably had like render farms that took like nine hours per frame. <laughs> when, when the series started, I think they were using. Um, oh, what's the name of the computers? But a really interestingly basic computer, but they've managed to stretch a lot of that out of it. I think they were Omegas, uh, or am I thinking the Star Furies? <laughs> Um, yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, the, the space battle is more, way more exciting than anything in Star Trek. And, uh, I, I found, like, I've watched a little bit of the new Battlestar Galactica, like, half the first season. But, uh, I enjoyed it even more than the space battles in that, you know, the new Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah. They, they do try to use, um, actual space physics in this. Oh, yeah, I love the way the Star Furies move. I still yeah, watch them. Yeah, I, I think do think you, Yeah, I'm not sure you actually saw it in this episode, Matt, but they've actually got engines on the front and the back so they can literally spin on a dime because there's no gravity. And, you know, yeah. cut the forward engines off, put the back engines on, and, yeah, you can do really interesting maneuvers. Yeah, I, I just I'm watching the episode right now, and I just saw a shot where one of the little fighters was strafing the big ship, and he was pointed straight down and moving, moving forward, but pointed down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can do stuff like that. Yeah. And um, B five launch interceptor missiles rather than firing straight at the ship. They're cutting off the missiles that are heading to the ship, and JMS says you don't normally see that either. That it's the whole point of thinking about what actually would happen in the battle rather than just try and make it look pretty. Yeah, I thought that was cool, the interceptors. The B-5 targets back and the battle begins. You see the station actually takes some damage. Uh, the Centauri ship is taking a lot of hits and eventually the Narn ship gets through the jump gate and the Centauri cruiser explodes before they can get help to them. Yeah, and Sheridan's Face is kind of he then realizes, oh, Mr. Lance is gonna 
hate this, and he, he realizes the trouble he's gotten himself into. Apparently, there was a goof where one of the star theories just kind of disappeared instead of going through the jump gate. <laughs> like, how do you miss that? <laughs> um, so afterward, Mr. Lance is mad because the Centauri are mad, but Sheridan has an obligation to protect the station, and he quotes General Order 47 requiring him to assist vessels not in hostility against Earth. On the commentary, JMS was saying that... Um, when people ask him how many rules there are, he gives the same kind of answer he gives when people ask how fast the Star Furies can go. Like he said, they travel at the speed of plot. <laughs> <laughs> so however fast the plot needs them to go. I guess there are however many rules we <laughs> need. So Mr. Wells jumps in the conversation. And he's, he and the Joint Chief supports Sheridan's decision, but not his actions that led up to it. So... They're going to drop everything if Sheridan apologizes. And if he doesn't agree, they'll find someone more reasonable to replace him. And so there's going to be a meeting of the ambassadors in one hour for this apology. Yeah, a bit of political maneuvering going on there. And JMS was saying in an earlier scene between um, Mr. Wells and Ivanova that if she had actually gone along with him, she would have been the one to replace Sheridan because she was more manageable and more pliable. Yeah, this reminded me of that scene earlier in the season where they were surprised that Sheridan wasn't more um, agreeable or something like that. Yeah, but that remember that's actually because um, the former president put Sheridan in place to look like he was a guy to yeah. run the station if he got assassinated, which he did. <laughs> yeah, Zeta Wing is out in hyperspace escorting the Narn ship and they get some unusual, unusual readings and of course Kefir has to run off to investigate. So are they the main uh, group of fighters that you always follow in this show? We don't really have a lot of shots of fighters. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah well, they're just it, kind of random. We really it, only know Kefir. Yeah, and we don't really know him too much because he's just in a couple of episodes throughout this season and now he's dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. sometimes like Sheridan or even Garibaldi or Ivanova will be flying with Star oh, Yeah, they're all trained in Star Furies. Sinclair would go out all yeah, the time. Yeah, former <laughs> captain. Yeah, um, basically Babylon 5 has a few ships at its disposal. It's got these um, Star Furies and a couple of shuttles. Um, but apart from that, they if they want to go anywhere, you've got to go on um, a ship that's arrived at Babylon 5. So Sheridan's practicing his apology and he's not really sorry. I'm sure that'll be a quote. <laughs> but wasn't there, I think, I don't know if it was on the commentary or somewhere else, a point where Patton had to apologize for something? But yeah, um, JMS was basically saying this is his Patton speech. Um, but yeah because of what happens later he's kind of gotten away with actually giving that apology oh yeah in hyperspace Kefir spots the shadow ship they're called shadows in case we haven't said that before Matt okay (laughs) the spiders Um, how many times have they showed up a few quite a few few. more in season 2 as things are building up what you don't know is that Londo is basically 
has a deal, not really a deal, but like he can ask this other person for them to do something and they'll, they help the Centauri defeat the Narns. Yeah, they can just like take out a big battle cruiser with just like a slice of their, uh, I don't know, slice of whatever weapon they oh. have. Yeah. <laughs> Frippin' laser beams yeah. or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think they're Pog's plasma beams, but theirs is incredibly powerful. Yeah. You know, it's they're really seen as something really ominous, um, and they've been around forever, according to Delenn. But they're just now doing stuff again. Yeah, they're like ancient beings, mm. whatever they are. Yeah, they're they're this ancient evil that are keeps they... on turning up every thousand years. Are they the ships themselves, or there's somebody in the ship? We don't know that yet. But there are, so far we know there's the ships, and then there's another type. Well, and oh. they can break off of, like, of the larger piece, because yeah. the last time we saw them, they, like, yeah. broke into little itty-bitty spiders, and yeah. then went back and merged with the hole, so. Terrifying. really know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that scream you hear when they go past. Yeah. Well... Kepa described it earlier in the episode and it re- the effect does that incredibly well. It sounds like it's going right through your mind. In the garden, the ambassadors are waiting for Sheridan. He's making his way there. This was interesting how they cut this together. Sheridan slowly making his way to the... <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I kind of wish it, it had it, been a little quicker. Yeah, but it also reminds you how large Babylon 5 is. You know, it's a five-mile-long station. It's going to take you some time to get from one end to the other. And Jakar is hiding in the bushes. <laughs> yeah, I'll kind of put down in my notes... Kind of that. It reminds me of what's going on on Intro to X at the moment, and I've got down. It is me, Jakar. I am here. <laughs> um, Apparently, uh, JMS originally blocked it so Jakar would actually come through a door, and um, Ivanova spot him. Yeah, apparently Ivanova, he said on the commentary that Ivanova was saying something profane to whoever she was talking to. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, because they weren't actually shooting any sounds. She could say whatever yeah. they want, wherever she wanted. Jakar wants to plead on Sheridan's behalf. Um, in hyperspace, Kefir is scanned by the shadow ship and... He attaches a homing beacon and ejects the system record before he's enveloped in white light. And Uh, melted. And melted. (laughs) Yeah. So then we see Sheridan get on the bad CGI shuttle. There's always bad (laughs) background whenever. Yeah, they can't do that on the shuttle. It's just, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, And Jermas hates it as well. But there wasn't much they could do with. Um, their tech at the time. Yeah, there was a scene earlier where Garibaldi's talking to Sheridan about Londo where it was supposed to be like a 3D view of the station. They're supposed to be looking out over the station, but it looks so much like a painting, which it really is, but wasn't supposed to look like a painting. Yeah, they wanted to do a CG shot originally, but they just it, it wasn't possible to get that done. Yeah, which is it. why, um, again, another thing to for the uh, Blu-ray release. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which will never happen, but we can still dream. No. <laughs> Everybody leaves the shuttle except him. That Centauri guy was looking at him funny. Yeah. Two Centauri saw him earlier. He hears a noise and notices some kind of device, so he overrides the shuttle doors and jumps out of the shuttle before the shuttle explodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then there begins the yeah. slow fall. Oh, my God. <laughs> this shot is the one that took, I think he said, three months to get right. Hmm. Well, it- yeah, he kept saying he wishes they had a fan to blow in his face just because the way it is, he's just standing in front of a green screen. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, uh, the, uh, the the shot of him falling, like uh, up till then I'd be like, eh, like the, the CG and the effects are primitive, but that... that uh, Battle really impressed me, and then he started falling, and he so awkward and weird. I was like, okay, uh, and then and then they said, uh, oh, he's falling in slow mo, and or not slow mo, but low gravity. I was like, oh, okay, that's why he looks like that. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't get it, the way the way he's falling isn't dangerous right now, but he's gonna hit the actual surface kind of at the speed of a car because of the motion of the station. Yeah. Is this one of the uh, shots that looked better at the time? Because of, it was like a composite type of thing? Yeah. Well, for most people, I think. But Pajaya Messi was saying at the time he still wasn't happy with it. <laughs> yeah, it was not so great. Ivanova calls for help, but it won't get there in time. So Delin tells Kosh he's going to do anything. He needs to do it now because he knows what's at stake. So We get the big Kosh- reveal. Yeah, he leaves his suit, and for the first time, we see what a Vorlon looks like. Okay, we see or at, at least, least to us. Yeah, at least what? At least what we Is this character show up a lot? Like the suit guy? From he's, time to time, we see him in his encounter suit. Yes, he's very. Whenever cryptic. he says anything, it's very cryptic, and you always go, "Huh?" Ah. It's been a big um, mystery what he looked like under the suit this entire show, yes. like from the first um, episode. Yeah. And in the same thing, he, uh, when Delenn told us about what the shadows are, we also learned that the Vorlons are just as old and just as ancient. The first ones. And they fight against yeah. the shadows. Yes. Um, so, yeah, he's revealed himself to a few, a couple people, but <laughs> <laughs> he showed himself. We also well, have not a, better. an image of Kosh with a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in the past it's just all the talk of him revealing himself, and if he shows Probably. himself to everyone, you know, <laughs> they'll recognize him. The viewers never been able to see it, but we do hear we did hear flapping noises. Well, we yeah, we hear, heard the sound of his wings. That's why we were asking you, what do you oh, think the we? sound was? Oh, yeah. yeah, we never knew okay. what that was. As I said, he. he if, until you know what that sound is, you can't quite figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused. So no I, was matter like, what... I, I thought I was going crazy. I was like, what? Is that thing's face changing every time I see it? Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> every race sees something different. Melinda looks confused for some reason. But at Later. first, I thought it was like, because we only saw the Membari god Valeria. And I was like, oh my god, gosh, it's the Membari god. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! And then I and then I figured it out. But isn't that kind of what we talked about too? We were like, because when he said, you know, you everybody would know who I was or whatever. Yeah. 
you were kind yeah, of like, I got oh, that right. Like that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but no matter what, the that he has wings, no matter what. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Anybody that, that has a god that doesn't have wings is screwed or... Um, well, uh, it, it's, you know, very similar form in each thing. Maybe actually having a similar form, but ch- changing the face and things like that and being a being of light is something consistent across the thing so that when each race gets to be spacefarers, when they see a ball on, they all re- so that, you know, all the races can come together under the Vorlons, if you get what I mean. That everyone can say, oh, you saw that, I saw that too. And it's kind of everyone can then say, oh, everything we believe is the same. And it's kind of getting them together, but they're actually following Vorlons. Hmm. Given what Sheridan says later, it is kind of sinister in some ways. I think JMS joked that if Garibaldi had been there, he would have seen himself. Sakash rescues Sheridan and brings him down. JMS did mention that, you know, a lot of fans were sure at the time that they never find out what was in the suit, but in season two, we find out. Yeah, pretty fast, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. He risked revealing himself to save one life, which kind of goes back to last week where Delenn passed when she's, yeah. you know, is willing to sacrifice herself to save Sheridan. Um, given the fact um, they reveal, um, the, what Kosh is at this point, JMS basically says that you have to be fair with the audience and reveal mysteries. You can't just keep them around forever. I lost. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they should have uh, talked to JMS when doing Lost. <laughs> I think they actually sent the pilot. I think they sent the pilot script to, of Lost to JMS. Matt, did you recognize Delyn? She was the crazy French lady on Lost. Uh, oh, D- Danielle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danielle. No, I didn't recognize her. Or did we see her a lot? In oh, well, she's God, in the she next was scene. Only, yeah, she's in that the very in two scenes, couple yeah. scenes, but that's it. Yeah. Let me look. Uh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I can see it. So the next scene, Delyn goes to see Sheridan, see how he's doing, and. She tells him that the Vorlons have been visiting worlds for millions of years and guiding them. And it reminded me, yeah, that quote from last week where, uh, what's his name said, the Vorlons have been to Earth and Vorlons have been everywhere. Vorlons are, yeah. Um, yeah, but Sheridan says manipulating. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So basically, that episode in season one where we had all of the different religious ceremonies... And they were—they're all just following the Vorlons. Well, and also, if you remember in season one, when um, that war um, criminal was offering everyone immortality, and the Vorlons destroyed our ship, they said, uh-huh. "You are not ready for immortality." Yeah, this was what made me. Um, and once again, I was like, "Who the hell do the Vorlons think they are?" I don't think I like them much this time around. And it probably started with Deathwalker when they destroyed that ship. Well, it's kind of like um, how God is portrayed in in the Old Testament too, not wanting, like in the Tower of Babel, not wanting uh, the tower, you know, to go. And it's it's kind of like you know, you can't touch me. I am the powerful one. Um, immortality would give. Would give beings a semi 
godlike, um, you know, method, I guess. And also, you know, Tower of Babel, Babylon 5. There's always been yeah. um, influences in that direction. Yeah. So it's a big deal that he showed him. I don't know how to say that, so does it sound perverted? <laughs> that he showed himself. Yeah. And the shadow. I really around. like how the, I don't know, angel looked. It was a little Zoolanderish for me. Well, in the, <laughs> apparently in the first pass of the effect, um, he had fluffy angel wings, and JMS just really didn't like that. He wanted it a bit more fluid, so it could have been worse. I like how Kosh nodded to Sheridan. We do see him nod in the suit sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah. So even in his original form, he well, in in this revealed form, he's still cryptic. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not going to change. That's his personality. <laughs> yeah. The shadows are going to know and about this, and they. They're going to think that he wouldn't have done that unless the Vorlons are ready to stand against them. But, so this will give everybody else time to prepare. So they get a call from Ivanova. Zeta Squadron's back, but Kefir is missing because he's dead. <laughs> but but is it me or was, was it not completely <laughs> clear that he died? Uh, well, well, you kind of see his face, but you don't really, I guess it's not really clear what's yeah, going on. Maybe, it I don't looks know. like his face is melting, but with sci-fi, you can never be sure, can you? Right, he could have been, like, taken aboard or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There has been a lot of abduction by aliens, so. <laughs> and then that joke in the first season about a descendant suing someone because their ancestor was abducted. that's still a great mini scene yeah and the Zocalo people are talking about what they saw when Kosh showed himself Um, one of the Narns think it's a good sign for the coming year the place has been blessed and Londo admits that he didn't see anything so yeah makes you wonder so what did if he didn't see anything did he just see Sheridan slowly float to the ground? I mean, like, what exactly was Yeah, well, you have to wonder. What are they trying to say about Is Londo? it just, yeah, is it just Londo or is it all Centauri? Yeah, I want to know that too. Yeah. Was I got the feeling, I got the feeling it was all Centauri, like their race was never visited by this species. That's definitely a theory they, out there. They definitely have a religion, because we have a uh, we have touched on that, so have is it about worshiping gods? themselves? Yeah, <laughs> more of a pagan thing, okay. right? I have this or, ceremony, or or was it a decision of Kosh not to reveal himself to Londo? Uh, maybe. And is it just Londo, or is it all Centauri? That's the yeah. And if he can decide who to reveal himself to, then why not just reveal himself to Sheridan? <laughs> yeah, but mm. I don't think that's possible when he like comes outside the suit. Yeah, it's really not clear, is it? This conversation. That's, that's a good just... way to say it, Heidi. <laughs> Where he leaves his suit. Yes. In a splurge of light. Oh boy. <laughs> but, but we did find out that he uh, is not related to the key on Buffy in any way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I'm just really confused by that Londo thing. Uh, I don't yeah. know what they're trying to say. Londo's too far gone and yeah. cannot 
I don't know. He cannot see the light. Yeah, he's going from the light. Too much in the shadows and can't see the light. But the shadows can see the light. (laughs) But they're all gods or whatever you. Oh, sorry, I'm wrong franchise. (laughs) (laughs) They're um, they're first ones like the Vorlons are. Yeah, before it would happen again. Mm. Next, we get a voiceover from Susan, which I think I'll just drop in the episode here. (laughs) It was the end of the Earth year 2259, and the war was upon us. As anticipated, a few days after the Earth's Centauri Treaty was announced, the Centauri widened their war to include many of the non-aligned worlds. And there was another war brewing closer to home, a personal one whose cost would be higher than any of us could imagine. place because Babylon 5 was our last best hope for peace. By the end of 2259, we knew that it had failed. But in so doing, it became something greater. As the war expanded, it became our last best hope for victory. Because sometimes peace is another word for surrender. And because secrets have a way of getting out. The Centauri have whitened the war and Zaxis, the shopkeeper, getting forced out of his shop. And after that, there's an ISN broadcast. We see images from Keffer's Beacon. Earth doesn't know who their race is, but they promise to find out. And while this is going on, you see Keffer's Beacon being destroyed. And so now Earth knows about the shadows. Not just Earth, because ISN have broadcast it. Everyone knows Where? about these ships, at least. Yeah, and Delenn and Sheridan and Kosh wanted all that kept secret, but now everybody knows. Mm. And the series has a bit of symmetry, well, series two, because it starts with a voiceover by Vonavar and ends with one. Oh, that was the end of the episode. Yeah, wow. So how much time, is this like the extra days in the timeline? All this stuff that she's voicing over? Maybe so. It's kind of a montage, yeah, I think so. But she did give the give in the present on... Well, she says it's more or less Christmas. You know how sometimes if you're not going to see someone before Christmas or they need the present early because of some other important thing, you'll give someone an early Christmas present. Yeah. I think she did say New Year next. Oh, she said it's a New Year soon. I don't know if she said next week or not. So, bye-bye, Keffer. (laughs) Bye-bye, season two. Going too soon. I was uh I'm disappointed to hear that he he died. I know nothing about him. I've only seen him in this and I was very intrigued. I was like, what's going to happen to Keffer? <laughs> he <Yeah>. died. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking he was like, I don't know, taken aboard or something that he we would see a little bit of the shadows through his eyes. But oh well. I guess not. Yeah, sorry to disappoint you, but <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> I don't know why this came up now, but they're saying that Corwin was probably named after Norwin, Norman Corwin, who was JMS's mentor. He's Clarence to us. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Corwin? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if y'all remember in season one, uh, they didn't, 
I guess they did win the Hugo because JMS thought that they had so many good episodes that they kind of canceled each other out and not one of them got enough votes. Well, this episode was up for a Hugo, but JMS didn't accept the nomination because he wanted The Coming of Shadows to be the only one that was nominated and that episode actually won. Yeah, and it's probably the better one out of these two. Yeah, I would I would say so. Mm-hmm. But I said the good thing about not letting this episode be nominated was that 12 Monkeys made it onto the ballot, which would have been frozen out otherwise. The movie 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Ah. Let's see, but it took months of trial and error to get the costume right. You was talking about the different interpretations of the Warline thing. They either, cre- did they create the myth of angels or did they come in and exploit it? It was already there and they came in and exploited it. It was two different. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good, good question. Wait, he said the second one is true? Well, he's just he postulated, presenting. Yeah, the yeah. two options. He didn't say oh. which one was true. Oh, I see. See, imagery in season two episode titles. What did he say? We start with the point of departure, then after some revelations, examine the geometry of shadows. Then begin to move forward, a race through dark places. We come toward the long dark, our past a distant star. We carry the motif of a world getting dark. The coming of shadows that darkens into the long twilight struggle. The last period between day and night. And we end the season on the fall of night. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, JMS likes his metaphors in his titles. And it really yeah, frustrates Heidi and Elizabeth. It, yeah, it makes it really difficult to predict what's coming when we're given a title. Yeah. So, yeah, it was Kim Strauss as the Drazi ambassador. <laughs> Our friend Bill Blair played some unnamed alien. And Mark Hendrickson was back playing a Narn. He was Narn number one. All right, that's all I have on notes. Are we ready to do quotes? I didn't take quotes. Oh. Yeah, so I, I didn't take many. I was lazy. <laughs> I'll start off with one. I have Mitch. I can't remember the way he said it, but it was the way he said it that made me laugh. Mitch said, you go out looking for that thing, you're looking for death. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only have one. I have... Ivanova, you're dead, data leader. <laughs> yeah, foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, I'll go for the uh, Star Fury patch. Um, and he actually read ugly but well hung. <laughs> yeah, he said those appear on screen all the time, but I guess no one noticed it. So <laughs> I will quote the bomb on the train. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> And this is Sheridan falling. Okay. <laughs> do I have to do cost now? <laughs> that was my uh, sound of um, wings flapping. <laughs> Not very good. That was terrible wings. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Um, I have one of a. If they don't get any better, I'll start issuing live ammo. That should have a very inspirational effect. Yeah. <laughs> I have a shared unless somebody else wants to do his apology. <laughs> I apologize. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry we had to defend ourselves against an unwarranted attack. I'm sorry that your crew was stupid enough to fire on a station with a quarter million civilians, including your own people. And I'm sorry I waited as long as I did before I blew them all straight to hell. Mm-hmm. You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. AKA, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he got away with not even delivering that. Yeah. She kind of tried to murder him, so. All right, let's move on to our characters of the week. Matt, every week we do a human and alien of the week. Oh. Who is our human of the week? I like yeah, so I was going to say, Max, this is your first time. Which human actually stood out for you? Uh, I know you guys were saying the opposite, but I was very interested in the fighter pilot keeper. <laughs> he's, the, he's literally the only guy whose name I remembered. <laughs> I liked him in this episode. Yeah. I actually mm. couldn't give it to Pepper it, because it's his very one. last episode. We're never going to see him again. We're, we're just going to have to give it to him. Okay. <laughs> I was going for Sheridan, just, but he, I didn't have a strong, it wasn't a strong choice for Sheridan, but Warren Keffer. His name's Warren? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's Warren Keffer. <laughs> Played by Robert Russell. Yeah, in a previous episode during the commentary when they were um, going through the credits, James was like, oh, sorry, Bob, I killed you. <laughs> he didn't seem like upset about having to have the character on the show. Like, sorry, killed you. <laughs> Yeah, well, considering JMS has planned the series out from the start and actually knows where he's going to end each each uh, season, having been told, right, you've got to have this character, yeah, no wonder he was unhappy because how am I going to write this character into everything I've planned out? <laughs> well, I guess he kind of, like, he didn't put him into the story where he actually affected any part of it, but he was a good plot device for us to get to see more of the spiders because there were several times or a couple I guess that we got to see them because of him so he was helpful in that way hmm. I forgot to add the overnight feedback to our document we got three and some of them are from new people okay Ooh. so who's our alien of the week I think there's one who I really I, I want to go with Kosh. I gotta go with Kosh it's not every day that he comes out of his suit. <laughs> I want to go with that, go with that uh, spidery black crab thing. Whatever's in there. What did James call them? Space crabs or something? Battle crabs. Battle crabs. <laughs> it sounds like a toy. <laughs> crab. Oh, is there a battle crab action figure? Battle crabs were big in the 80s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I know they did um, models. You, you know, um, I think they were paint your, paint your own models as well. I think they definitely did one for. Um, <laughs> they, I think they did one for Star Furies and Babylon Pilot. I think they might have done one for uh, Battle Crab. Pretty easy to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great paint of black. So do we decide on anyone? I'm not paying attention. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, Will does the same for our show. You see, I I really think... (laughs) But uh, Kosh revealed himself. Come on. (laughs) I've got to put my vote on for him. He revealed... Kosh reveals himself a lot, though. (laughs) (laughs) But he revealed himself to a lot of people, and the audience, (laughs) this time. 
Now it's probably a felony. Major felony. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal in 2259. Okay, I was getting feedback already. Sorry. Um, so are we happy with Kosh? Are we okay with Kosh? I think we're okay with Kosh. All right, now let's do ratings. Matt, do you want to give us your opinion? <laughs> I don't sure. know if you want to rate it or. I I actually enjoyed it uh, for not knowing who any of these people were or what was going on. <laughs> I mean, I like I love Star Trek and uh, all those kinds of shows. Although, like I said, I did try to get into Battlestar Galactica, and for some reason, I never finished the first season. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I'm gonna give it a eight out of ten. Stupid fan haired dudes who aren't loved by space angels. Nice. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Heidi? Um, it definitely wasn't better than some of my other favorites this season. So it can't get like a super, super high rating. Um, but it was really good. And it definitely gave us a lot to think about. And I love that we now know what... Vorlungs are, which brings up a whole new set of thoughts and theories. And um, and I really liked that Sheridan took a stand and uh, and helped the Narns. Yeah, it was really good. Okay, I gotta go eight and a half out of ten. Um, oh, let's go with bad falls through space. All right. What about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I think I'm on the same page. Like, I didn't, I don't think it was as good as some of the other episodes um, that we really liked, but it was kind of like all over the place a little bit. You know, we had a, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of Centauri Narn, a little bit of Peace in Our Time, a little bit of, I don't know, Zoolander Angels and like <laughs> weird space battles and then like really rushed endings and 1984 thought police and fascism and whatever, but it, it moved it along quite quickly. I uh, was shocked that um, we got to see Kosh, which was great. And even though I don't know how I feel exactly about the reveal, but I'm glad we got the reveal and I can't say that without laughing. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give it eight and a half. Um, Battle Crabs. <laughs> nice. What about you, Ian? Yeah, the great thing about this episode is it, it excites me for what's to come and does some great job in that. It sets everything up by overturning the table again. Once again, things are set in motion and, you know, Kosh reveals himself, which sets things flying and it's just a really nice concept of what we see when we see Kosh then you've got a nice bit of um, characterization you know uh, Mr. Lance he's a, he's a nice parallel it's very heavy handed but I think it's nicely done and the biggest thing about this episode once I've finished it I just had to watch the opening credit for the next season just to tease me. So it did its job. So I'm going to say eight and a half out of ten burning ascots. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Yeah, I was really looking forward to this episode, but you know, watching it, I didn't enjoy it as much as I was expecting to. It wasn't as good as some of the previous ones, and I'm glad for the Kosh reveal, but it kind of just fell flat, maybe because I already knew what was you know going to happen. But yeah, I did like that he finally <laughs> showed himself, and uh, I don't know, it was a good episode, but not as good as some of the previous week's episodes. I'll give it eight and a half out of ten Kosh reveals. <laughs> and that gives us an 8.4. Yeah, that's pretty good. Da, da, da. Is that a good score compared to other episodes? Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I, I think it's upper middle range, really. Cool. For this season, it's yeah. definitely better than first season. Oh, much better than <laughs> I mean, first season. Would have been one of the highest scores of the first season, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly, I think, Matt, even though you really shouldn't have started at this point, it's a really good point for you to start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, whilst we're here, before we go on anything else, sorry, Elizabeth. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask Matt whether he wants to continue with the series and... I probably would if I didn't have other shows I was watching at the moment and I had access to this show. If it was on Netflix, sure. But Yeah, you have to have the DVDs. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Someday. I I mean, now I know I like it, so it's in the back of my mind and I'll check it out someday, I'm sure. Uh, Um, Guys, are we having a um, a season two episode, like a a recap episode or like a talking about the yeah. episode, yeah. I, th- I th- definitely think we need it. There's so much to go over, and I think you need a bit more time to digest everything and come up with some really good, juicy theories. Okay. Because then yeah, I, I might be. have to beg off the rest of this episode. Um, yeah. Do I have anything else that I need to do? Um, uh, no, that's it. Cool. Bye, guys. Bye, Elizabeth. Bye. Elizabeth. Bye. We'll make Matt read feedback. <laughs> oh, you slave drivers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's... That was time for you, but let's get in a battle crab and fly on over to feedback land. It smells... Can anyone do that scream? Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it smells we'll bad just... in this battle crab. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like the ocean. It smells like death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our first piece of feedback is a comment from Board99. Hey, Board. He says, Kepper, no. Season two is a little odd in that it has three finales. The Long Twilight Struggle, which is your classic big story finale. Comes the Inquisitor, a small story coda finale, like the end of season four of Buffy. And then the Fall of Night, which would seem like a bigger story if one hadn't just seen the long twilight struggle but the fall of night does have i think is a feel of a prologue to season three it's the show that sets the seal on what's been obvious for a while we've in effect been watching the adventures of army officers in weimar germany and now it's 1933 i'll be curious to hear what the ambassadors think about that god knows jms doesn't handle the theme of incipient fascism subtly But at the time of the first broadcast, it really did feel like something new and different on American sci-fi TV to present the viewer with such a flawed future. I've wondered about the possible influence of Blake's Seven. That's a British sci-fi show. 
And I'm pretty sure he did have influence from that because he's an anglophile. Her next feedback is an email from Victor. I want to do that one. Okay. I'll take Victor. The Fall of Night was going to be my brother's guest episode. Each season, he would ask me to pick an episode for him to request, and this is the one of those I had chosen because it's a good one. And now I might cry. Yeah, it would have been really great to hear his thoughts on this one. He, he does go on to say, though, that having conquered the Narn, the Centauri are now attacking other... Sorry, have now attacked two other races, but an angry Londo explains that they are just stabilising the area and establishing a, buffer, establishing a buffer zone. Right? That's like Hitler saying, all I want is a little piece of Chesk... A little piece of Chesk... <laughs> Chesk... Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. <laughs> yeah, Czechoslovakia. Thanks, Heidi. Things get even more complicated when the last surviving Narn cruiser arrives on Babylon 5, seeking sanctuary. This delights Jakar, who actually had a spring in his step now. Not for long, though, because the Earth officials won't even meet with him. They've come to sign a treaty with the Centauri. This already smells high heaven, and when Londo finds out about the Narn the Narn ship, he really is pissed. He summons the Centauri battlecruiser, which attacks the Narn ship and Babylon 5. Sheridan has to fire in self-defence, and after he destroys the Centauri ship, the Earth government orders him to apologise. I'm not usually big on quotes, but this one is special. And he goes to quote Sheridan. I'm sorry we had to defend ourselves against an unwarranted attack. I'm sorry that your crew were stupid enough to fire on the station with a quarter of a million civilians on board, including your own people. I'm sorry I waited as long as I did to blow them all straight to hell. Chalk up another victory for Starkiller. Sorry, just scroll right past it. The big reveal is that we finally get to see Kosh, sort of. Each race sees their own deity, so it looks like both the ambassadors were right. Except for Londo. Londo sees nothing. That does not augur well for Londo. I like the B story too. The machinations of the Night Watch and the Ministry of Peace. Ivanova can see straight through them. Uh, in a nanosecond, and even Zach is starting to recognise them for the fascists they are. Some of some of that may be a bit overdone, as Earth government appears to be utterly corrupt, morally bankrupt, and or just plain brain damaged. <laughs> I can't say any more without being spoilery. So we'll stop here and give this one 9.5 best apologies ever. <laughs> Regards, Victor. And <laughs> thanks, Thank Victor. You, Victor. See, our next email is from Laurie and Carl. Carl. <laughs> well, I would say Carl, I think The Walking Dead. <laughs> oh, 
Carl. Oh. <laughs> I'll take that one. What time is the what time was the guy's dentist appointment, Carl? <laughs> Dad, no. Tooth hurty. Tooth hurty, <laughs> Carl. <laughs> Hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitor. So you have reached the end of season two. I am predicting that Heidi and Elizabeth enjoyed the big reveal. I can't, I can't speak about this without laughing. (laughs) 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 I had not remembered that it happened in this episode, but it should give some great discussion. Other notes and questions from this excellent episode. We really enjoyed the short scene between Lanier and Veer. I like to think of them doing that each day. Great quote from them both. Makes me nervous. Same time tomorrow? Mm. Carl noted that he predicted the other races coming together against the Centauri when they pushed too hard. Garibaldi made some excellent points when talking about Londo. He was the only one that realized Londo was afraid of something. Once again, Sheridan gives his word on behalf of B5, and this time it does come back to bite him. He has to apologize. What do the ambassadors think he and B5 will do now that the Nightwatch and Ministry of Peace are watching them so closely? Um, We'll talk about that in theories next time. Once again, there were lots of World War II callbacks. My husband and Carl are always quick to notice those. I liked Ivanova putting down Mr. Wells rather bluntly, but it was not terribly diplomatic. Will this have repercussions for her? Ghosts in hyperspace scream in your mind. Keffer's ship is destroyed but the recording gets out to ISN. Will this make Earth more fearful of aliens and want to hide behind the Centauri even more? Probably. Carl predicted mid-episode that Earth would be isolationist. What did the ambassadors think? Were you surprised about the pact with the Centauri? I wasn't really surprised. I um, I just knew that Jakar couldn't be that happy, so it had to go badly. <laughs> In last scene, Jakar hiding behind the bush was priceless. For the big reveal, we find out that Kosh is a being of light. But what does that mean, and how does it work with what we saw in the last episode, where the Vorlons were portrayed as much grayer? Was Delenn <sighs> passing the test last week, the driving force for Kosh to save Sheridan? I thought they said the Vorlons were portrayed as much gayer. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Dylan says that each person sees something according to his or her type. What did Londo, why did Londo see nothing? Did any of the Centauri see anything? Yeah, I can't really predict anything on that until I know the answer to that question. Um, ratings, Carl. Rating, four. I saw the flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> Hang on, he's right, he's only meant to go from minus three to plus three, isn't it? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Was it meant about... to be minus five to plus five? I I'm, I don't know when when Carl rates things. I'm really yeah. I'm I'm not quite figured out the rating system uh, for Carl, but um, human random woman who slapped random guy. Good choice. Carl. <laughs> um, alien Kosh, of course. Of course. And Lori rating nine point five five out of ten antique pens. <laughs> And human Zach, as I like how his character is getting more depth, and alien Kosh. Thanks for a great season, Lori and Carl. Thanks, both of Thanks, you. Guys. As always, brilliant. Carl is Lori's son, Matt. Oh, nice. <laughs> they watched B5 together. Mm-hmm. All right, our next email is from Anka. We're going to let Matt do this one. Oh. I can this is where out. everyone discovers I'm illiterate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. 
Uh, hi, down below team. A few words to comes the Inquisitor. Since I, that was last week's episode. I was going to say, yeah. That, what is this? <laughs> since I fell asleep last week before sending in my feedback. Always used to have a few problems with this episode. It, did, uh, it didn't make it one of the bad episodes, far from it. But I still don't know what it wanted to learn. What it wanted me to learn. Yes, De- Delen. 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 Ha- has her own belief. Leaves, beliefs <laughs> and follows a prophecy that was questioned by her own people and others around her for quite some time but I always thought Kosh agreed with her and was leading her on at, at least I never saw otherwise then all of a sudden he's in doubt about her and of course right away he brings in a murderer to question her to break her and to potentially kill her. <laughs> so Matt do you want to watch this episode now? <laughs> I have no idea what I'm reading <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but uh but what would he learn from killing her? That's where my main problem lies with the episode. It's crystal clear that this is not the final intent of the episode anyways, so why mention it? To make it more dramatic, it shows me that the Vorlons may also not always do the right things for the right reasons at times. <clears throat> then Sheridan is the get out of jail for card for Delenn and either Sebastian didn't know about their feelings for each other or it was staged by Kosh damn you Kosh um, <laughs> because it is so easy to make a sacrifice for someone you love I guess Delenn would do it for another person as well she went into the Markab quarantine after all but if Sebastian really wanted to test her this was a very easy finale final test and uh, didn't seem to fit the whole I may kill you if you give the wrong answer and I will decide which answer is correct torment favorite quote S and if the word and if the world says otherwise D then the world is wrong great answer oh, that was Sebastian and Dylan <laughs> answer by Dylan the fall of night while I find the long twilight struggle could have made an amazing season finale I like where the fall of night is going. It's preparing us for things to come. We see how corrupted Earth has become, and the war is coming to Babylon 5. We see Nightwatch again, and and hey, they're becoming really, really dangerous. Wow, the crew on Babylon 5 is pretty corrupted at this point. <clears throat> I've, I've... Ivanova. Ivanova. <laughs> uh, and Sheridan are not moder- monitoring this too closely, but they should. I remember I was shocked when this lady from C&C walks up to the Night Watch guy and spills the secrets. The Babylon 5 crew now has to defend themselves against the Centauri with some impressive CGI effects from outside the station. The battle is not as dramatic as other battles. Uh, We know Babylon 5 will make it. But now comes the tricky part. Sheridan needs to apologize for it because Earth wants to align themselves with the Centauri. For me... Just gonna scroll down. Oh, this is a long email. For me, it's Sheridan's best moment so far when he practices for his speech. I think I will. I think I always wondered whether this was just him being sarcastic, and he would have chosen different words in the end, or if he really planned to use this speech. It never comes to it. Instead, Kosh reveals himself by rescuing Sheridan from a bomb. Again, some great CGI showing the inside of the station. And it's the least Kosh 
can do to rescue Sheridan after last episode, and now he knows that Sheridan and Delenn are the right people for the job to come. Whatever this is in Kosh's term, whatever this is in Kosh's terms, okay. And of course, Kosh is an angel to all of the other races. It basically means that the Vorlons influenced all these racist cultures, cultures for a long time already. And we have seen this in all the episodes leading towards this one. Um, and then Kefra, this little pity of a fighter pilot leader, gets himself killed and exposes the shadows as well. I love how the episode ends with the recording of the shadow ship in hyperspace. Everyone seems to be exposed. Kosh, the shadows, the night watch, Earth. I like Garibaldi's description of Londo. How Londo is afraid and holding on even more to the racing horse he rides on. That he feels pity for Londo. Oh, what? That he feels pity for Londo. Okay. That's exactly how I feel too. I also love Beer. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Veneer getting together to talk about their problems as aides to the ambassadors. It seems like it seems they are much alike. They should get their own stand up comedy show where they rant about their lives as assistants. <laughs> yes. Uh, best someone's phone. playing the harmonica again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I think that is my phone when a text <laughs> or something comes in, it vibrates. <laughs> um, best quote. I'm sorry I waited as long as I did before I blew them all straight to hell. It's the thought that counts. Human of the week, Sheridan for the speech. Iva- Ivanova for the last words in this season. And because secrets have a way of getting out. Alien of the week, Kosh, of course. I give this one 8.5 out of 10 revealing sh- angels in shadows. Now there's no saliva left in my mouth. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying here. <laughs> it, you did well with the names, given it was the first time you had seen them written down. Yeah. Uh, next email is from Maurice, who is a new feedbacker. I'll take that one. Hello, Will, Ian, Heidi, and Elizabeth. Hello from Australia. Just writing in to say how much I enjoy listening to the Down Below intro cast. I think you guys are doing a great job. As a longtime B5 fan, I find it fascinating to hear all your opinions, points of view, likes and dislikes about the show, whether you're an old hen or a newbie, and to hear questions raised and points made that I have not thought of myself or heard before. I remember my introduction to Babylon 5 back in the latter half of 1993. I was wondering about the local video store looking at the new releases, trying to decide what to rent. I'd already seen all the latest Star Trek The Next Generation episodes out when I saw this video case down on the bottom shelf with a strange-looking elongated face on it, which turned out to be Jakar's, and the title, Babylon 5, The Gathering. And under that sentence which read, and I quote, a universe on the edge of destruction. I found it interesting, so I rented it and watched it. I thought it was okay, although I do prefer the re-edited version to the originally aired version. Afterwards, I wondered whether it was just a one-off movie or a pilot for a TV series, as to me it had that TV series kind of feel. Not six months later, in early 94, the pilot was aired over here, and then the very next week the series proper started to air. I know that's not how it was in the U.S., but I suppose there are some benefits to getting to see things a little later than others. I must admit that as a longtime sci-fi and fantasy fan of things like Doctor Who, Star Trek, Blake 7, The Outer Limits, The Twilight Zone, 
Lord of the Rings and Red Dwarf, I became hooked on the show pretty quickly, and I love the serialized and sprawling epic nature of it. Although catching the show at times could be difficult as its time slot was changed, as was the nights it aired and the channel it was shown on, not to mention that it didn't receive any advertising. I eagerly await to listen to every episode of your show, and like any longtime fan, love hearing the perspective of newcomers. Yes, I'm looking at you, Heidi and Elizabeth. I can't wait to hear what they're going on, what they're going to say about future episodes and events, as well as hearing their predictions. Will and Ian, you're doing a great job not letting anything spoilery slip out. By the way, Ian, has anyone ever told you that you sound a bit like Norman Lovett as Holly? Can you give me an everybody's dead, Dave? Everybody's dead, Dave. Dave, everybody's <laughs> dead. Everybody's okay. dead, Dave. <laughs> yeah, There's one thing I, ha- I, ca- I oh, suppose sorry. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, so, okay. <laughs> ah, you need to listen to um, the Report Intracast then. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, if you like our intracast, there is a Red Dwarf intracast out there. There's one thing I have to admit, though. You're not the only B5 podcast I listen to. I know I'm a cheater. Oh, the shame of it. But when it comes to B5, I can't help it. As to the last episode you reviewed comes The Inquisitor. It's always been one of my favorite season two episodes, and Sebastian is played by Wayne Alexander is a very memorable character, even if he is a little melodramatic at times. Although I do know the odd person who doesn't like it. Don't worry, Elizabeth. Just think of yourself as being in a select group. I remember hearing one person's reaction to it when it was revealed that Sebastian was Jack the Ripper was, what? He's Jack the Cocking Ripper? Mm-hmm. As for the Vorlon and Shadow questions, who are you and what do you want? I've always been tempted to make a doorbell and put that, put sound clips from the show of people asking those questions on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Matt, now you're new and you've actually heard those two questions. Who are you and what do you want? (laughs) My name's Matt and I wouldn't mind a Danish. (laughs) I want a donut right now. That's what I want. It's uh, it's time to eat. We can can tell. We're hungry. Hangry. Um, as for the season two finale, The Fall of Night, there are a number of interesting revelations in it. Cautious Vorlon strip tease, Earth signing the non-aggression treaty with the Centauri, and the continuing slide into fascism by the Earth government and the Night Watch. You can't help but love Sheridan's apology. It reminds me of Colonel Dax's apology to the general in the movie Pass of Glory. Anyway, things are set up for things in season three and beyond. Just curious as to what the general opinion was on the character of Warren Keffer. I know that JMS didn't want him and he was forced onto him by Warner executives. Personally, I was neither here or there on his character. I do know there are people who both like and hate Keffer, but if nothing else, he did go out doing something big that had ramifications to come. Anyway, I've babbled on about Babylon 5 enough. All I have to add, all I have to add is to keep up the great work and can't wait for you to start season three be seeing you best regards maurice oh thanks maurice yeah thanks thank you maurice. glad to have new feedbackers oh definitely yes, keep sending it in see our next email is also from a new feedbacker Derek. okay i'll What's take that one then 
You guys getting all the new feedbackers. I never get new fans discovering my shows. <laughs> and on the season finale. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's brilliant. And he starts, Dear Ambassadors, yet another season has passed on and a few things of note. One, first, where is Dr. Morden in all of this Dr. destruction? Dr. Morden? Wait. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we called him Doctor one episode. I can't remember why we called him a doctor. Hmm. Can't remember. Yeah. Fans will have to dig that one out. I miss that smiling backstabber. Well, Dr. Franklin was minimal too, which I don't mind. So the karma event evens out there for me. Two, based on the last two seasons, since bad and weird wild stuff happens at the end of the calendar year, Let's hope the gang takes a vacation at the end of the next year away from the station, just in case this is a trend. I don't think they take vacations. Hmm. Three. It would have been great for Sheridan to sit next to a penny, egg, or mannequin on the shuttle. That way then we could have seen really what happens when something goes splat against the space station without anyone getting hurt. (laughs) Crash test dummy. (laughs) Okay. And last, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, Kosh, is, wait for it, bold. (laughs) One of the oldest beings in the universe, and you think they would have found a better way to regrow hair. Maybe he's her wig got stuck in his encounter suit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now not only is Kosh a flasher, but he wears a bad toupee as well. <laughs> <laughs> ah, new picture. <laughs> For me, the episode with a surprise... For me, a great episode with a surprise relevate... <laughs> With a surprise... Rel- <laughs> Why am I struggling with this word? Revelation. <laughs> for me, a great episode with a surprise revelation. And still, I didn't get it really correct. <laughs> Although, since when has this great war started? I must have been in the kitchen when that happened. Human episode Sheridan for not letting the Narns hide whilst Narnia was... Sorry, Sheridan for letting the Narns hide while Narnia is occupied. Alien of the episode, Delaine, for without her, Kosh would never have rescued Sheridan. That's a new take. Hmm, yeah, I suppose so. Overall, a score of 8.5 out of 10 bald alien heads. Points off for not actually seeing anything of this great war everyone was talking about. Well, until next season... Thanks, as always, for being the best darn exciting, fun Babylon 5 group to listen to and get my Narnia geek on. Derek. Oh, thanks, oh, thanks Derek. Derek. It's thanks, kind Derek. Words, definitely. I think the Great War is, uh, I think the way that they're referring to it, it's more that it has to begin now because the spiders are known, the Vorlons are known, and so... It's inevitable, and it's here. Early prediction there, Heidi. Maybe talk about that with Elizabeth next week. Yeah, 
No, but I was just kind of clarifying, like, saying, you know, where is this great war and why are they? Yeah, each kind of interesting. Yeah. All right. So our final piece of feedback is an email from Yan. All right. Yan says, hello, fellow lurkers and down below. Feedback for season two, episode 22, The Fall of Night. This is a packed episode. We get a lovely Lanier and Veer scene. I like the way that it ties into Veer's attempt at an apology to Jakar and comes the Inquisitor. The, I tried to tell them, but they didn't listen. They never listen. Earth politics. EarthGov has finally taken a side in the Narn Centauri conflict. Not the one we might want. A throwback to Chamberlain's peace in our time from before the Second World War. Babylon 5 sheltering in Arn Cruiser. Not so convenient for Mr. Lance. They they get to use the new weapon system of the station and a pretty solid space battle. Nightwatch and the Ministry of Peace. It does not look good for the people of Earth, does it? A wonderful, the- a wonderful scene with Zach. So uncomfortable. Kudos to Jeff Conway for the acting. An assassination attempt and a spectacular rescue. Confirmation that Sheridan is not very good at apologies. I like the speech he was practicing. (laughs) A revelation of Kosh. Dear ambassadors, what did you make of it the first time you saw it? Did you note that Kosh looked different for different races before Sheridan mentioned it? You most probably did. And why would everyone except Londo see something? Is that a shadow influence or have the Vorlons not been to Centauri Prime? Something to think about. And Ivanova's chilling speech at the end of the episode. Favorite quote, Ivanova. Everyone said it was impossible to take out a Mimbari war cruiser, but you did it. The way things are going, I figured out that it might be nice to have a reminder that impossible is possible. Londo. Nothing. I saw nothing. Human, Sheridan or Ivanova? I think I will go for Ivanova because of her Christmas present. Alien, I think I will have to go with Kosh this time. And episode rating, I like this episode quite a bit. So much is going on, revelations, and new questions posed. So I give this episode 9 out of 10 uncomfortable Nightwatch members. That's it for this time. Watch out for shadows. They move when you're not looking. Yan, the Babylon lurker. Thanks, Yan. Nice way to round up the feedback. Yes, folks, thanks for the feedback. It makes us very happy. Oh, definitely. Some great feedback this week. You feel very validated when you get feedback. Yes. Yeah. I'm doing this for a reason. <laughs> People are actually listening to what we have to say. Yeah. Really? I don't think anybody. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, send the feedback in to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or head to our website or Facebook group and leave comments there. Or oh, head on over to iTunes and leave a feedback, uh, leave a review if you want to. Man, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm spacing out. <laughs> you see, <laughs> seeing stars. Yeah, I'm seeing donuts and. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um. Well, yeah, that's it, Matt. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, and, thanks, Matt. In our little experiment here. No problem. Yeah, great having you. So, is there you want to remind us where we can find you out there in podcast land? Um. Twin Peaks podcast is still up. That's an intro cast for uh, the awesome television series Twin Peaks that everyone should watch because it's coming back. It's on Netflix. Uh, also, intro to Briscoe. That's almost done. Will's on me with uh, on that with me. <laughs> He's on me with that. <laughs> Get off me, Will. <laughs> um, 
And then oh, uh, we're going to be starting a Sarah Connor Chronicles intro cast called, which uh, I am so excited about. <laughs> oh yes, yes, I definitely am. Actually, kind of didn't we decide it's just Terminator in general podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called What We Make, I believe. And yes. uh, I'm going to be on Hooplecast, and which is uh, down or I almost said down below. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Deadwood>. <laughs> Uh, it's a Deadwood podcast. And then I'm going to be on um, the Defenders podcast, Marvel Netflix series podcast. Holy crap. You are a busy, busy, busy. person. I am. But I'm not. But coming up, I'm not hosting any of the shows that I'm on. So I'm okay. Nice. Hosting is the work. I'm going to be swearing up a storm when I call in for the Deadwood podcast. I can't wait just to <laughs> let everything fly out. <laughs> Oh. All right, well, that is all we have for this week. So this is going to be one of our longest episodes. Yeah. I think. Um, we'll be back in two weeks for a season two wrap-up show. But until then, goodbye. Bye. Be seeing you. Troka. Arrivederci. <laughs> Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com. Facebook.com slash group slash down below podcast and Twitter.com slash down below cast. <laughs> <laughs>